0: You are welcome to another exciting episode of CADA Matters. CADA Matters is an awareness-raising programme of CADA. CADA is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse, a UK-based charity working to prevent and end domestic abuse, especially in Christian homes. Listen to this episode with Gracilis so as to build healthy relationships and keep your home and
1: relationships abuse-free. Good evening, everybody. You're welcome again to another episode today of Kada Matters. And today we will continue what we've been doing in the past one week, talking about healing from the effects of child sexual abuse. We do have our psychiatrist with us. She is right on time. She has actually waved, so that means she's here. So we are very excited to have Dr. Abimbola Bola colleague join us. And we do hope she joins us soon. Yeah, she is joining us. Good evening, Dr. Abimbala Ekele. It's a good thing to see you again today. How are you today? Can you see us? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you, Gracelis. How are you? I'm fine. You're looking very glamorous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for honoring our invitation and thank you so much for all you taught us last week. I was taking notes and notes, and today I've got my pen and by ready again to take my own notes. So everybody, when you see me turning down, all I'm doing is taking my notes, which I advise everybody to do. We come here to learn, and it's always a pleasure to have someone talk with so much passion. And for those who are just joining us, I want to say a big thank you for joining us today. My name is Gracilis, and this is CADA Matters. It's actually an awareness program. It's a... It's an awareness-raising arm of CADA. CADA is actually an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse. We believe here that there's no excuse for abuse. God hates abuse. And as a church, we say no to domestic abuse. And on this program, we bring topics and we talk about things that have to do with domestic abuse because we believe that the more people are informed, the better decisions they would make. And for some weeks now, we've been looking at child sexual abuse. We've looked at self-education as a means of preventing child sexual abuse. And then we looked at child sexual abuse. And we didn't want to leave it there because we found out from statistics that a lot of people actually, you know, were sexually abused as children in different forms. I mean, we're not just talking about penetration. We're talking about being exposed you know, to sexual materials and things that ought not to have happened, things that stole people's childhood. And we recognize that several people are still suffering from the effects of those things that happen. And that's why we decided to come up with someone who, you know, is passionate about things, who has an interest in child. Sure I think I'm not going to say a lot of that. I'll leave her to say it herself. So, b please introduce yourself to our guests. For those who did meet her last week, this is another opportunity. I'll leave her to introduce herself. Thank you.
0: Oh, uh, thank you so much, Gracilis. And um, it's a great pleasure to have me on your uh, on your program and to talk about something that is quite um, um, a topic that I find quite um, emotive. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is um, Dr. Abimbola Oyedokun. I'm a registered medical practitioner, both here in the UK and in Nigeria. And my specialty is psychiatry, and most especially child psychiatry and psychiatry of intellectual disabilities. Um, I currently work with the NHS, um, and I work with a lot of children um especially who have gone through sexual um abuse as a child um and so this is a like i said earlier it's a it's a, it's a topic that's quite um that's something that's quite that i'm quite passionate about and i know it's quite emotive um but i know that um, as christians um there's a way out because god will help god has helped us thank you gracilis
1: Okay, so for everyone who was not around last week, last week we looked at what child sexual abuse is and then we looked at what do we mean when we say healing. And then we debusted, Dr. Bimbo helped us to deboss some myths about when it comes to healing from child sexual abuse. We also looked about why it's necessary for healing to take place. You know, and then she taught us about the process of healing and there are several things she taught us about the process of healing. I think one of the things I learned last week was she talked about you know, facing, she talked about coming to terms with it, facing the shame. She also talked about grieving the loss of childhood. So I think we're going to pick up from there because sometimes some of us think, uh, some of us have been led to believe erroneously that, oh, because we are Christians, all things are passing away and all things are becoming. So everything about the past has stopped. What we've come to learn that there is no way you can go forward if you do not deal with the past. And when we're talking about healing, we are saying that we we are saying that it's just it's beyond um, wishing it didn't happen. We are saying for you for healing to take place, you really need to accept that yes, this has happened. This is part of my history, but it doesn't need to define me any further. And also to be brought us last week that when after accepting it, you know, you know, accepting the shame of the abuse, she also she said she also said something about griefing, You know, the fact that we lost some of our children. So that was the last thing we talked about. We talked about the process and the stages of healing. So I I know a lot of people are wondering, okay, well, am I really healing? How do I know that healing is taking place? Is there something I can do to speed up healing? And that's where we're going to start on being born. Could you help us return? How, How would somebody know that they are making progress at all with this healing thing? Right. So, like we said, uh, um, last week, that healing includes, um,
0: there has to be perseverance. There has to be patience. There has to be, um, validation. You know, it's a safe place to be able to pull out the way, um, you feel, you are feeling. And so, um, as you go through the stages of, uh, the stages of healing that I talked about last week, for you to begin to know that, um, for a person to begin to know that they already started being healed, you know, it's when, um, they remember the, they remember what has happened but it doesn't come with the pain um, that came with it at that time. You know, because some of the effects of having been um, abused, some of these effects I'm going to talk about can happen as a child, or it can happen later on in adulthood. So, you know, some people can have what we call a post-traumatic stress disorder, and that is when they relieve the incidents back all over again. They have things like what we call flashbacks, and it takes them back to the, um, to the the you know, to the scene where it happened. For some people that it happened several over a long time you know different memories just keep flashing you know into their mind and it comes with a lot of pain so for a person to begin to realize or to know that he or she is healing is when um the person remembers the incident but not with the same pain as if it's happening all over again then the person can know that okay i'm beginning to get to that point of um, healing um another another um, another um um uh, indicator that can show that the person is healing now i'll talk about it in a in a from a christian perspective you know it's when um the the person who has been abused can think about the the perpetrator and have um forgiveness you know and be able to look at the person and say okay i forgive this person because i believe it's a very great i mean it's a very vital part of healing being able to forgive We're christians um, some people would say, Don't tell me about that. That What the person did to me is just too painful. Um, but the truth is, like I said last week, yes, it happened. You have to face the situation, face the truth that is happening. But for healing to go on, we now, the, the, you now need to take another step further and be able to let the person go. Forgive the person from the bottom of your heart. It's not easy, I must say. It's not easy. But if, as children of God, we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, and allow god to walk through us then we find that that god will give us the grace you know to be able to forgive and once you uh, you can forgive the person then you know then you know that yes you're on the right path you're on the on, your healing is progressing and please when i say forgive i don't say i don't mean forgive and like um maybe go back to the relationship or something no um, the fact that you've forgiven doesn't mean you should necessarily have a relationship you know with a person you can forgive the person and not really have anything against that uh, to do with the person but then it's not where you forgive the person if your paths cross or you know you're not you know you're not holding any bitter feelings um towards the person and the reason why i said that is because um for, uh, for people that have been abused even as children even as adults trust is a very um something that is very important to them and it's something that is very difficult to have in another person. So, you know, um, if you're if you're a person who has been abused forgives the, the victim, um, the person will now need to get to be able to have another, to be able to have a relationship with the person. You know, you have to think about, um, you have to think about the fact that um, I'm not holding anything against this person. Um, I can I can talk to the person, I can see the person, um, you know, without any hard feelings. And for some people, it might not even be necessary you know, to talk to the, I mean, to, to talk to the person. But but between, but the person who has been abused between themselves and God, if they can actually like, you know, God, help me, give me the grace to forgive. Then the person begins to know that, okay, yes, I'm healed. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on that stage to healing. And um, another thing is, again, when you can, when the person who has been abused can talk to other people and encourage them and tell them, look, I've been through it. I've gone through this and this is where I am you can go through it, you know, I mean, you can pull through. Then you know that when you get to that point where you can use your story to help other people to, you know, to come out of it, then you know that, yes, the healing process is, you know, is, is going the way it should.
1: Okay, Pimba, that's quite enlightening. Uh, there's something you've said, which uh, I like the fact that you actually went to it. Because um, sometimes when we say forgiveness, uh, people get uh, misconstrued by thinking that it means the relationship should be restored. Sometimes it's actually part of forgiveness for you to keep the relationship as a distance because the first thing is that that person you're not even sure the person has changed. So if you're going to have that relationship, then you're thinking of your children, exposing your 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 children even to that same person. So there's a need to you know to exercise caution just because yes. we're, for, we're forgiving somebody doesn't mean I mean if God forbids uh, you know somebody was abused by their father you know and then you're leaving your grandchildren you're leaving your children in that person's care and, and funny enough some of these people that you know are being forgiven some people still don't believe that they've done anything wrong and then yes, so exactly. exactly, yeah. there in the name of forgiveness then for goodness sake what you're doing is exposing your children to that same thing you're giving them you're just actually letting them out again even to be abused so uh, forgiving someone really does not necessarily mean that the relationship should be restored. I believe that forgiving someone, from what Doctor Bimbo has said, does, is not necessarily actually dependent on the person. Because for all you care, some people still do not uh, agree with yes. what they have done is wrong, and then some people are still even after doing it, they are living in a denial thing, saying mm-hmm. to themselves it never happened. So, um, like what you said, if, if that's um, if that is that, then I said if that is supposed to be one of the things for us to know that we are actually working on that part. What would you then say? Because um, there are several things when it comes to child sexual abuse. When I speak with people, I find out that some of them, and you 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 said so last week about effects, about these things actually affect people's relationship. I said, it doesn't just end there. People get married and they find themselves, um, you know, getting triggers while they are just ready to perform their marital duties. Forgive me. You know what I'm talking about, what happens is Trigger's gone and then that part of their marriage is actually suffering. So um I- I'm just wondering what's the what would you say to someone who is married to a survivor uh, of child sexual abuse and i'll just tie that down to something because one of the things i read you know there's something you said last week you talked about the need to speak out the need to break the silence and you know we talked about breaking the silence with someone safe and there are several women who are finding it difficult to actually tell their husbands this is actually the problem and one of the books i read actually advised that women shouldn't um, break their silence with their husband just like that because they may not be able to handle it. It might be important, it might be necessary to actually break the silence in the presence of a counsellor so that the person would help because not everybody is able to answer that. But just for the benefit of those who are listening, who perhaps, they they, they actually not said anything like this to their husbands. Their husbands can't sometimes understand what's happening. Perhaps even their wives can't understand why their sexual moods are so very interesting. You know, and then perhaps, perhaps someone listening to us actually knows that their wife has been through you know um, a period of child sexual abuse, and maybe just hinted it here yeah, there, not said it fully. What can that person do? And before you answer, I just want to say a big welcome to everyone who is joining us. I acknowledge I can see several people. A day, in God's will. Thank you, Neck. I can see, Boner. Pastor Joe, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, please feel free for your comments. We are here to learn from each other. So, people, what would you say to someone who is married to a survivor of child sexual abuse, and perhaps someone who is suspecting that the person they want to get married, there's just one thing or the other? How do they probe the question? What do they do? How can they help? How what, what do they need to do in their relationship? Okay, so thank
0: you, Gracilis, um, for, for the question. Um, and it's in different parts. So first of all, I would say that um, now we're talking about a Christian marriage, and we're talking about people who know that this person is—I um, I didn't. I'm not just marrying this person just for the sake of marrying. I'm marrying this person because this person, you know, is who God wants for me, and I have a future, you know, with this person, and I love this person. So that's one thing. To, um to the first thing to um to to establish too so for the um, for the wife or the husband of, of a survivor of child sexual abuse um if they get to know if they know about it, I think the first thing they need to let their wife or their husband know is that they love them i haven 't said that it might not be easy for the person you know to accept to accept that um his wife or her husband had been abused if the if the wife or if if the the spouse of the survivor um, feels he or she needs help, you know, maybe like counseling. So just like you said, for some people, it might be good to break the silence in front of maybe a counselor or um, a pastor who they know is um, um, equipped to handle situations like this, because it might not be all pastors that might be able to you know, deal with situations like this. If you remember last week, I said the situation, the environment in which um, a survivor opens up must be validating, secure, and safe. Mm-hmm. So it has mm-hmm. to be in the presence of someone who they know is trained or equipped. You know, most mm-hmm. especially as a Christian to be able to handle um, what they want to do, what they want to discuss. So, about uh, for some other people, it's easier for them to um, tell their husband or wife. Um, about their abuse, just you know, on their own. So, so the second thing I would want to say is, if the if the husband or the wife of the survivor thinks they need help in coming to understand what has happened to their spouse, then they should get help, and that's probably from a Christian counselor or, or from a pastor who who is um who is empowered or equipped to handle situations. Then the next thing, the third thing I would say is for the um, for the husband or wife, like I said earlier. To love the person, show the person love because the person sometimes might feel worthless. The person sometimes might feel um, I don't need, I don't deserve to be loved because of what has happened to me in the past. It was my fault. So you know, have to like make the person to realize that look, it wasn't your fault. Um, whatever has happened in the past, you didn't bring it upon yourself. You know, um, and. And I love you, and because I love you, and God also loves you. The the way God sees you, He sees you as His child. So the 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 husband or the wife of the survivor needs to keep um, validating what the person feels, but also making the person know that yes, you're loved, you are of worth, you know. And if the survivor is going for therapy, the the husband or wife can actually um um um. Yeah, them. exactly. That's what they're to accompany them to the therapy, you know, to the mm-hmm. therapy, you know, because that will make the survivors to know that yes, this is somebody that is going the extra mouth for me, and it's it's really great to it's really great to help. Um, it's just like the same thing to if it's a parent or the child who has been abused, you know, showing the child love, taking the child to therapy. If there's a need for therapy. Um, I mean, just to show that yes, I I believe you, I support you. Um, and another thing is if there's um, if 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 it happens that as a result of this abuse this um, the survivor had grown up and developed some man- mental health problems from it then they should seek help mental health has there's treatment there's treatment for depression there's treatment for um, depre- um, treatment for depression or anxiety or post traumatic stress disorder that has come as a result of um, you know the you know the abuse um and then another thing I would want to say is this time around now to so the survival, especially because you mentioned uh, you mentioned something that when it now comes to the physical part of relationship, you know, with their husband or wife, the, the thing that has happened in the past keeps coming back. We have to get to the point where we understand and know for sure that the physical part of um, marriage is ordained by god and it is good and it is for the husband and the wife and god intended it that it should be um it should be pleasurable you know so yeah, this, yeah. so exactly but if the mind if the memory of what has happened in the past keeps coming back it's not going to make it pleasurable mm-hmm. um and i'm sure most of us i'm sure all, all of us on this um, platform are adults if it's not pleasurable for one person it's not going to be it's not going to be pleasurable for the, I mean, for the other person. So you know, we we it's um the, the effects of this abuse can really it can it can be long it can be long it can be long term. But like I said earlier, and I said last week, there's help, and you know, one can move on to move on from what has happened. What has happened in the past shouldn't um, determine what is happening in the present
1: and also affect um, the future. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Bimbo. You've said a lot. Um, there's something else I wanted to say. I know that I asked um, concerning, you know, the person's um, partner, you know, husband. But what do you do if, you know, adult to adult, or perhaps even adult to child, someone comes to you and discloses child sexual abuse? What should be the response? I mean, I say, what should be the response? Because I, I believe several people are listening to us. Some people listening to us are pastors. Some people listening to us are youth leaders. They are teenage leaders. Because someone is saying, oh, how do, I, um, how do I bring this issue of child sexual abuse to teach children properly? And someone says, oh, put up this program. And then when they listen to a little documentary, then you can ask them, has anything like this happened to you? So what happens if this person gets a positive answer? What, what should be, what's the best way to go about it if you, if someone discloses child sexual abuse to you. So uh, so you've asked
0: the question in two parts. So it could be either a child disclosing the abuse or an adult disclosing the abuse. Now, for if it's for a child that has disclosed the abuse, immediately you have to make the child understand that um, I believe you. Um, and whatever it is that has happened, it is not your fault. And I, I'm going to do my best as an adult to protect you because for the child to be able to open up, that means the child has seen that person as somebody that I can trust and somebody that's going to keep me safe. So now once that has been done, the next thing is there are different helplines, especially like here in the UK. Um, I'm not sure about what happens in Nigeria, but I know here in the UK, we have um, child line, I mean, helplines you know, for for children, especially who have been abused. So for like the um, um, NSP for children, we have that. So those are one of the um, places you can contact immediately, you know, and to begin to seek. okay, so what's the next thing? Because usually when a child has been sexually abused, it is not for there there are people that are trained specifically to, you know, to handle the case and to do the interviews and Sometimes there's a need. If it's something that has just happened recently, um, um, there's a need for physical examination. So then the social children's social services too need to be uh, they need to be informed so that, for example, if the child has um, disclosed it to an adult that is outside his or her home, you know, the children's social services need to be informed so that a risk assessment needs to be done as to know whether to take the, the child needs to leave that home premises, you know, that same day then the police too would also be informed because it's a it's a crime, um, you know, um, and then the, the course of justice would um, the justice will have to take his uh, will have to take its course. Now if it's for an adult if
1: it's for an adult you know that had happened in the past um, sorry, um, sorry to just interrupt you but what you've just said now it also applies even if this person who has done this is a relative of the child. So it's, it's still no excuse for there not to be a report made. It's not an excuse. No, it is okay. not an excuse
0: for it not to be reported. Even, mm-hmm. even if this is the father or the mother, it is not an, it is not an excuse. Um, under the law, it is punishable, whether it is a, a mother or father. I know like, we had, like I said last week, that the greater percentage of the people who abuse children um, are always people that the children know. So most times from the family, and we've heard a lot about either the father or the mother, you know, being the one who perpetrated um, the act. So um, it is not an excuse, no. And so that's why I said that, you know, because sometimes some children will now get to the point of feeling guilty because the disclosure might actually lead to the break of the marriage between the parents, but nobody should feel guilty about it. It is not it is not right, it's not something that, that 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 should happen to any child. Okay. okay then yeah. Okay, thank you. Then I'm going to talk about for an, an adults. If it's for an adults, with uh, you know, if it's for an adults, obviously we're, we're talking about child and abuse that has happened when the person was a child. So it is still um, whoever has committed the crime against the person. I mean, whoever has committed the act against the person has committed the crime. So the adults can still go to the um, the adults can still. Um, um, press charges, you know, against the person, most especially if the person is still alive or the person can be, person can be found. Um, so with that too, you know, you um, the adult social services gets involved, the police to get involved. And we found that that most times, um, when adults disclose this, it was always in the context of maybe because they're, um, in my own, I mean, in my own, um, line of work, when adults um, um, confess this, I mean disclose this, it is always because you know we are already treating for a mental health illness or something, and then you take what we call the history, and then you ask about what as you ask about things that have happened um, in the past. This is when the person now brings it up. So you now have to ask the adults. The adults then, do you want to prosecute? Do you want to take this for that? Some would say yes. Some would say no. I am. Um, I don't want to take it um, any further. For some who don't want to take it any further. But who might have maybe depression or anxiety, they are, they get treated. Or who may have what we call a post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, they get treated. And some also go on to have therapy, you know, to help them um, with what has happened. So it all depends. Some, as an adults, they might want to prosecute and they might not um, want to prosecute. And then in different regions here in the UK, we have um, ch- um, charities who are, who Who deal mainly with them adults who have been um you know adults who have been abused um in the past you know as a child um I'm not advocating for any charity on here, but if we go online um i said the one for the child, but for adults if we go online you know there are different things especially if you go to the different council website um there's going to be somebody that can something that will be able to link you you know to um one organization or the other and you can make a and you can make your decision or if the person is, has a mental health problem then the mental health team that's taking care of the person can also help
1: okay and um, that's quite interesting for uh, being born. and there was something you said about um if a child discloses which i think should also apply i think also applies to adults i see if anybody discloses um you know incidents of child sexual abuse at whatever stage we shouldn't take it lightly. We should let them know that we believe them. It was never their fault mm-hmm. and validate. You know while we're talking, you talked about um the partner. You talked about someone you know dealing with all of this. And when the partner goes, brings some um, feelings and you know some sort of validation. What do you do or what what can how do people who are having feelings of worthlessness shame and even sometimes societal tendencies you know from all of these effects of child sexual abuse what can they do
0: Right. so okay um I'll start from the last point you mentioned if they're having societal tendencies if they've gotten to the point where they're having societal tendencies um, I the best thing is will be to seek the help of a um, of a mental health uh, practitioner because most probably that means that there's either um, depression or anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, um, going on, or perhaps even some physical health illness, you know, um, going on. So at that point, um, um, the, I would advise the person to to seek help immediately because the longer the person lingers with societal thoughts, the... The higher the the higher the, the chances that the person will actually go on That's you know out. um to commit to commit suicide. I and mean, with none of people who have uh, committed suicide because of of things like this that has happened to them. So in that case, I would I would ask the I tell the person you need you need to seek mental health help immediately. Um, get the GP. You can go to the GP. Um, once you tell the GP that you're feeling suicidal, they'll do a, a risk assessment and they'll make a um um a, a, a um a referral to the to the mental health team of that area if it happens if it happens to the person if it happens that the person is got into the point of actually you know the person feels i can't keep myself safe again at this point Then, um as, as when the person has gotten to the height of the crisis point then the person should go to the a and e departments uh, immediate immediately um, because there's help for this People can get, people can, you know, there's counseling, there are people who are trained to counsel people who have gone through situations like this and they can get help. And most especially now we're talking on the Christian platform. Um, um, There's help, you know, um, um, there's there are Christian counselors who have been trained to help people to, you know, to, to get over this. And another thing that I said last week is the fact that as children of God, you know, we now have to go back to ask God to help us you know, ask ask, um, ask God to help us to be able to come to an understanding of what Christ has done for us, you know, on the cross. It's not easy, but God has already, Jesus Christ has paid the price and um, he has also paid the price for healing through this. And there are people that I see in my clinic sometimes and um, I know we've done everything we could do. can do for them and still they are still at that point where they are cutting themselves you know they are feeling low and it it talks at my heart because i'm like at this point you need jesus christ he's the only one who can help you because to be truthful another human being cannot exactly feel the pain the way the person is feeling is but christ can you know but then it takes the relationship and it's a process and for most people it's not something that's going to happen just uh, in one day but it is possible I have heard of people who have been abused if not as children and have gone on with the help of God, you know, to become adults who, who have healed from the scars of what has happened and have, um, and have lived a fulfilling life. Uh, another thing I want to say is the enemy knows that for as long as a person does not know his identity, uh, as long as a person doesn't get his identity or security or dignity from Christ, then the person will not be able to live a victorious life. I mean, you know, the person will not be able to live a victorious life. So this is, I mean, this is um all these things I've mentioned that are, are very important. There's help. Please don't keep it to yourself. If you think, okay, um, I've been in church, they're not talking about it the you way know, I want to talk about it. Um, go to your GP. Let your GP refer you,
1: you know, um, to the to the appropriate service. Well, so okay. not help. Yeah. So it's okay as a Christian to go and ask for help from a mental health practitioner or even from your GP. And I like what um, someone has put down saying that there's a need for us around to also recognize the signs and symptoms, you know, of people who are having societal tendencies around us. And someone has also said people need to embrace mental health coaching. So what about these feelings? Um, I think people, that's what you're going to do. The feelings of worthlessness and shame. I know you've talked about, you know an identity in Christ that that would help us. But perhaps someone listening to us now who really doesn't is not even a Christian. You know what? What? What would you say to that person? And yes, people who are Christian dealing with you know feelings of worthlessness, shame. You know these feelings of i damaged goods. What, what? What exactly can be? What, what? do you think can help?
0: Right. So like I said, you know, um, if uh, I've talked about from a, from um, as a Christian it's um we, we need to get to the point where um we develop we get that personal relationship with god and we have a revelation of what christ has done for us um on the cross because um um i'm um, looking at it from a Chris, as a christian psychiatrist i have seen that um moving past um situations like this in life it takes the grace of god we had talked about forgiveness earlier on um human flesh cannot just forgive like that because the person will feel damaged inside. Um, and it is only God that can come. He's the one that has the power, you know, to put broken pieces, you know, um, together. But for those who say, well, I'm not a Christian, I don't want to go down the route of, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I'm not a Christian or or I'm a Christian and I don't think uh, um, my pastor, or if I tell somebody in my church that they would, um, you know, the support will be there. I'll say again, go to your GP, and from the GP, you'll be referred to the. If, it, if there's a need to be referred to mental health services, you'll be referred. For some, for some GPs, you know, for some um councils, they have also access to some um, counselling um, sessions. If there's a need to, for you to be referred to a counsellor, then you will be referred. Um, the most important thing is, like I said, is don't don't keep quiet. Um, seek help. You know. So, and, and it is not wrong for a Christian to go to the GP and say, "This is the way I'm feeling." I'm a psychiatrist, I'm a Christian. And I would I would if I see patients and I prescribe medication for them or prescribe a management plan, I expect them to I expect them to, you know, to abide by it and to go and to and to go with it. And um and I don't and it is not um I'm I'm not
1: um I'm trying to look for the right no, word I'm now. To use those medication for the management plan. It's uh, not out of faith at all. It doesn't mean that people don't have faith. No, it doesn't mean that people don't have faith. After all, when a woman gets pregnant,
0: she doesn't give birth in her house, does she? Whether she's a Christian or not, she doesn't give birth in her house. She goes to the, you know, she goes to the hospital. God mm-hmm. has given doctors wisdom, you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I would like to say at this point, I am a Christian and I'm a psychiatrist and I prescribe medications for my patients. On the other hand if a person, if a Christian believes, if a Christian has gotten to the level of the faith of supernatural healing, I totally agree with that. I also believe in supernatural healing and I've seen, you know, miraculous healing um, take place. Uh, uh, and I would, I would like to say that people are at a different level of their faith. If you know you you don't, you, you can't, um, you, can't um, you need help, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to pray about it or I'm going to um, get into my Bible and get a closer relationship with God. Then you go to the GP, you go to because the help is there. And on the other hand, if you think, if you say to yourself that yes, I'm going to allow the spirits of God and you know and the power of God to heal me, then I also believe that is um, I also be, I also believe in that too. So we all have the choice, you know, to make. And I would like to say at this point that for the person who decides to go to the GP or to the psychiatrist, God is not going to count it against the person. No, our God is not like that. He's a loving Father you know and he reaches out to us as our own level of need.
1: okay
0: i will just like to pause there you know if you
1: have any other questions or comments and uh, before i go on uh, yes i think um, someone has put down to someone has said that and um, people need to realize that it's not a stigma especially for africans and christian african christians too it's not a stigma to seek um, mental health you know to seek help with mental health issues I, I think that will go to my next um question because i think there are two more questions really and we're running out of time but there are two more questions one is uh, and i think you've, you've already said it really to be honest you've talked about it what is the role of the psychiatric, and then how can it be assessed have said that listen psychiatric is also there working as an agent of god i, I think that's something I, I picked up from my friend when she came here the police officer she said that when she goes about her police duty, she finds herself as a minister working with God to keep law and order in this society. So she sees it as this is my own ministerial platform. She might not be mm-hmm. preaching in church every Sunday, but mm-hmm. she's in law, checking people up. That's her own way of preaching. And I believe that that's what the psychiatrists are doing because that's yes. why I provided that knowledge. But what I want to talk about now, what I want you to address now is the fact that people go through child sexual abuse. And it does something to their faith. It either makes them think, why did God allow this happen? Where was God when this happened? Especially when it's also, you know, it might have been done by somebody in the church. You know, there are instances of people who their parents trusted the choir master. I'm sorry to use choir master. I'm sorry, I'm in the choir but Trusted the choir master and the choir master had a, a few days with the children again and again and again, but the children could not see anything. And such a person comes up after when they are of age, they leave the church, they feel that God should have defended them, God should have done something, and somehow the enemy has sort of painted a bad picture about God. What, what, what would you say to someone who is questioning the love of God and how God allowed, you know, child sexual abuse to occur in their life? And they prayed, they actually prayed as children that God should please stop this, but it never stops.
0: Right, very good question. Um, I would like to start first of all and say that our God, our Father, is a loving Father, and the Bible says that you know He never changes. He is true. I mean, He is he's, He is He is the embodiment of integrity and faithfulness and goodness and all the lovely things you can think of. And so, the first thing a person needs to understand and uh, needs to understand is that one. It is, it is never the will of God that any child should be sexually abused. No, it is not the will of God. So haven't, haven't um, established that fact. But it goes on to happen. So would you now say that God turned um, a blind eye when it was happening? No, I would I would say again, I would say no. As difficult as it is to accept, the truth is God, God somehow would have, there's a plan, you know. We can't know we can't know the plan for our lives. And I'm not saying that the plan of God for anybody's life is that they should be abused. No. But when we we, we get to the point where we realise that whatever it is that I have gone through, God can still make something out of it. You see. Then, you know, it it takes a level of faith to be able to, you know, to work with God, you know, um on on, on that on that level. And I would like to say that for a person who said, Oh, I prayed, and God never um god never god never took me god never took me out of it we don't know we can't the the bible says we don't know we don't know the way god works. i very recently i listened to the testimony of a lady um she was abused as a child by her father and the way it was a christian family you see and everybody saw them as this lovely christian family but this abuse was going on for long and this lady this girl this lady said she got born again um, I think by the age of eight was baptized at 11 but even up to her teen years she was still abused you know by her father and she kept praying to God you know and then at a point anyhow she she the way it all stopped was because she told a friend of hers who told her mom and the mom told the authorities and the authorities um, social services took herself and her sister away from the yes. away from the home and the, the lady went on she late, later went on she was giving her testimony as you know, later on in life. And she went on to say that she, she she had 10 children, eventually went on to have 10 children. And she talked about the fact that she prayed then for God to take it away from her because she was told as a child, that if there's something that's happening to you and you don't like, and you tell God, God would answer you. But she said, looking back now, she realized that God was with her all the way. All the things that was happening, she didn't get pregnant. All the things that was happening, she didn't, she didn't turn to drugs. She didn't turn to alcohol, you know, um and then along the line god helped her you know to be able to forgive her father and to heal and now she's also now using her story to tell other people and to make them to see that you know you can be healed so the thing is we uh, you, 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 you you the truth of the matter is no matter how difficult it is you know the situation was at that point in time um god is still there he has promised us that he will never leave us not forsake us i can't really um for a person who has gone through it and said oh you're just saying it like that because um um, that's what's in the Bible. Well, I'll say it because that's what's in the Bible, and that is what I believe. Um, but I would also want to tell the person that I might not feel exactly the way you have felt. But I want you to know that even at that point in time, God was there. Uh, if, you, if the person looks back in, over the life, the person will see the way in which God, you know, um, um, God came through. And our God is a loving Father. He loves us. It is not His will that this should happen to anybody. Uh, however, he can give us the grace, you know, to heal from it and to move on, you know, and to live the victorious
1: life he has planned um, for us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bimbo. It's been an enlightening time for those who have joined us today. We are very grateful. There was such a lot that we learned last week. You know, looking at healing, looking at the process of healing, and uh, I'm almost tempted to ask Bimbo to just say again what these stages of healing are for those who are just listening for the first time as in the stages of healing just briefly so that people people would know. One of the things we said last week is that healing is not spontaneous as a myth to think that it will just you just close your eyes and open your eyes it 's not true we 've also said that it it does not necessarily mean that all the memories will fade away and you just forget like that we 've talked about understanding that healing is taking place when you remember or you 're not remembering that pain that you used to remember um, before that used to be accompanied that used to accompany memories we 've also talked about i think those were some of the things that Kimbo said last week I said. we said we talked about breaking the silence and also she talked about. Even journaling could be a form of breaking the silence. And I was reading something, I think it's tell the truth. There's something the government has that um, allows you to just go and share your story anonymously, just because there's just something about saying out the story, just breathing it out, saying it that, oh, this happened, you know, to me. People, I don't know if you could could just do that in one minute to just tell us again what the stages are, the process of healing, because I know some people will still listen you know and, and wonder oh what's these stages of healing what is that what is it that we're talking about okay so i said um i said the first
0: thing is break the silence talk about it you know let it out of your mind um to face the shame it's happened um there's no way you can turn back the hands of the clock face the shame of what has happened come to terms with it you know um yes let yourself know that you were not treated the way you should be treated you were abused you were things were done to you that wasn't meant to be done to you you know then if you have to grieve for the losses say for example you know you grieve for the childhood that you lost you i mean you 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 look at the childhood that you lost and you want to grieve for it grieve for it you know grieve for it and leave it and um, and get up from it but don't don't get stuck in there and the, the other thing i said the last thing i said about them is be kind and love it to yourself you know After you've gone through this process you were uh, broken the silence you've um, you've faced the shame you've um, you've come to terms with it you grieved what you've lost now begin to love yourself and say okay um, it's happened but i'm not going to allow it to determine what's going to happen in my future and then i also want to add that as a christian the steps for healing even as a christian like i said earlier first of all is forgive one two do not blame yourself and like I, i'll say it again it's not the will of god that it should happen to anybody three Get help from a Christian counselor, you know, um, if you can. Four, let God be your vindicator. We can't avenge. God has said we should, you know. Uh, vengeance is his. And the last thing I'll say is that remember you are a child of God. Remember, God loves you. When you get to the point where you are feeling no worth, you have worth. That was why this God, I mean, that was why God sent Jesus Christ, It's only begotten son, to the face of this earth because you're worth it, because you. You, if, you were only, if you are the only one on the face of the earth, God would have still sent Jesus Christ because you're worth it. So um, those are the things I would like to say with regards to um, the
1: stages of healing. Thank you so much, Bimbo. And, and I think also one of the things you said last week was being able to remind yourself scriptures also telling yourself over and over again reminding yourself renew your mind and telling yourself that you are wonderful you're fearfully made and that god loves you we've come to the end of um child sexual abuse it's been a very enlightening time it's been also a time of prayer at different points in time I, I've realized that this' what's happening here is you are opening some old wounds you you're bringing back some memories that you know people have tried to suppress and, and you need to not just leave it like that you need to guide you this thing with prayer so that people don't you know, listen and get their feelings stirred up and then move into depression. Rather, they listen and they move in the place and the path of, of um, yeah. help. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has joined us today. And I want to say we are really very grateful. I want to say that there is help. That's what Bimba by taught us. There is help. Healing can take place. As we're talking, I just remember two strong women I love listening to, Joyce Leah and Christy yeah. Kay. I love listening to their stories. And you find out that, that these women move beyond what has happened to them. You know, one of the things with forgiveness that I have learned is that one of the great, I I feel that unforgiveness is actually a manifestation of unbelief. And what do I mean by that? Unbelief, not believing that God can use anything and bring out good from it mm-hmm. so believing that god can do something from what has happened to you goes a long way and i know that perhaps you might be thinking oh i prayed and prayed as a child and god didn't do anything i have to tell you that everybody here has different things that they are praying for and it looks like he quotes god has not done something it's about the process and i tell you this program alone. i tell you it's a process it's god you know bringing and calling your mind to a stage of healing calling your mind will your mind to come come to a place of healing so that you can relate to him in a wholesome way. And also, just like what Bimbo said, it was never, ever his will. But man has their choice. You know, people make decisions and then we suffer from it. And that's why we say, listen, if this happened to you as a child, it was never your fault. Even as an adult, abuse is always, yeah. always the fault of the person who has decided to do it. It's not the fault of anything. It's not anything you want. It's, not any, it's a choice that has been made by someone. Um, Biba, I don't know if you have one minute to just say something as in your final words thank you so much for coming we hope to see you again but your final words to anyone listening to us today what they should um, take home. thank um, you, I mean, you very much you- for this, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me on
0: this, um, on this platform I'd like to say to everybody listening that you're a person of worth God loves you he will never stop loving you. There's nothing you can ever do that will make God to stop loving you. And he has the grace and the power, you know, to heal much more than any doctor can, much more than um, much more than any medication can. And also, another thing I also want to tell everybody listening is is that you you should uh, endeavor and strive to develop a relationship with God. A person who has got a personal relationship with God, and I'm not just talking about church going, but having a deep understanding and revelation of who God is as your father and his love for you will, you know, will, uh, will change a person's life um, forever. So I'd like to stay with this and to end with this. Uh, just remember God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He will never stop loving you. There's nothing you can do that will make God to stop loving you. Why? Because there was nothing you did at the beginning that made him to stop loving you. So nothing is going to make him to stop loving you. And with the love of God, Mm-hmm. With the love of God, with the love of God, I mean, I'll just, I'll just leave it there. With the love of God, there's no, there's no end to
1: what we can, to what we can achieve in our lives. Thank you, thank you so much, people. We are very grateful. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has joined us. I can see IJ, then um, Gospel Neka, Pastor Joe Omufma, and every other person i'm not seeing all the people who have joined us I want to say thank you this is kada as we hold every thursday at 8 p.m but for the next two weeks we're going to be back and we'll be on the hot seat we'll be talking about gas lighting but it's going to hold next week thursday and the upper thursday is going to start at 8 15 p.m because of our anchor person thank you so much i like you to continue to spread the word that we're doing and we trust that one day indeed the whole world will be free of abuse remember that God hates abuse. Remember, there's no excuse for abuse. And as a church, we say no to domestic abuse. Till we come so your way again. It's bye for now from Brasilia. Thank you, everyone. Bye. bye. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. Bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed and learnt from today's session. Till we come your way again, remember, God hates abuse. There is no excuse for abuse. The church,
1: which is you and I, say no to domestic abuse.